0: Now, you don't have to raise your hand or anything like that, but I'm going to ask you some questions. And you can answer at least, at the very least, inside your, your own heart. But has anyone here ever had to grieve over somebody? And I mean grieve like you know, you know someone in your life, either someone you love or someone you care for or something. And this person has it all the good life, everything a person can want. And all you can do is watch as they let all of it go. And the only thing you have left to do is to grieve. Have you ever been sorry that you let something happen? And maybe you didn't want it to happen, maybe whatever, but because of your okay, it happened. And the way it panned out. You regret it. Have you ever known that you had to do something, or has God ever told you that you had to do something, and you were fearful of doing it? Have you ever been disappointed with anything that's ever happened in your life? Well, if you were able to admit to feeling any of those kinds of feelings or any of the feelings or emotions that are remotely close to those cousin feelings, if you will, I have a message for you this morning. And I don't know if it's like a message from the Lord or anything, but at least it's a message from me. And that message is welcome to planet Earth. Now, I don't say that to diminish the way those feelings eat at us. And I don't say that to disregard the circumstances that, are, that surround those kind of emotions. But what I mean to say is that in the world we live in, that's just a part of life. In, an un, in a broken world, we can't escape that kind of pain or evil. In the broken world that we live in, There's no way, there's no way, there is no way to avoid those kinds of feelings. The only way you can avoid those kinds of feelings or circumstances, the only way you can get around them, the only way you can just totally forget about them, is if you live in an unbroken world. Now friends, one glad morning, when this life is over, I'm going to fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore. Y'all with me? But until that day I start flying, I have to figure out how to walk in this world. And it would just hurt me so much if I were ever to hear anybody, any one of you, my brothers and sisters, friends and almost family, hear you say something like, you know, this Bible's good stuff, but you know, it just doesn't connect. You know, I just... Because if you did admit to any one of those four emotions that we talked about at the beginning, and if you paid attention to what Patty read just a little while ago, each of those four emotions was in the story she read. The prophet Samuel watched King Saul, watched Saul be chosen and anointed and made king, and Saul had everything. And the prophet walked with Saul and he was his spiritual advisor, he was his friend, maybe he loved him like a son, at least a strong family member. And all the prophet could do was watch. And the writer tells us grieve over Saul as Saul let all of it slip through his fingers. Even God, the writer says. And and, and, and other chapters other times God says you don't need a king I will be your king people said no we want a king like everybody else has one so God gave him a king and presumably as God watched what happened with Saul God was sorry that he ever made Saul king Then God appears to Samuel and says, Samuel, why are you still grieving for Saul? Get up. I have given you a new king. Go see Jesse, and there you will find the king. And you know how Samuel responds to that new bit of promise and hope? He's fearful. Okay, God, but if Saul finds out about this, I'm dead. Now, maybe you've never had to fear for your life before, but sometimes doing what God asks us to do can be very fearful. And then even as, as, as Samuel gets to the city gates, the people who confront him there, the writer tells us they were a little terrified themselves. Oh, here comes that prophet again. Oh, oh And as a, as a side note, I thought about this. I don't know if you realize this, but I try very, 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 very hard not to ask anybody on a Sunday morning, to volunteer for anything, I never try to talk to anybody about any kind of committee work or any kind of project we got going on outside of church, because I want, when you walk through those doors, I want you to be happy you're here, and I don't want you to see me come and think, oh man, what's he going to ask me for next? I want you to be happy you're here. I want you to be able to be here so that you and I can be here in the presence of our great God. Don't worry, I'll call you in the morning if I need you. <laughs> I'll write you a little note, won't I? Yeah. I don't know what those guys were fearful of when they saw the prophet. Now, the writer doesn't tell us this, but I, I'm using my imagination as I read the story, as I hope you've learned to do as well. But I imagine that Samuel, Jesse, and all seven of those sons also felt a little disappointed. Samuel was told, was assured by God that he would be taken care of and you would find this new king among Jesse's sons. And so here he comes and obviously he finds the new king. God said, Mm-mm, that's not him. And think about Jesse. You know, here's Jesse. Oh, the story doesn't tell us. Make a note of that. It doesn't tell us that the prophet said anything about telling Jesse that's what he was looking for. But you get the impression that something happened there. So here's Jesse. Oh, one of my sons. Right. OK, well, let me introduce you to my firstborn, hmm? my, my favorite, Huh? my most obvious choice, Mr. Prophet. Here you go. That's not him. Really? Oh, okay. All right. I'm sorry, brother. Go on. Mr. Prophet, let me introduce you to my second favorite son. My second most obvious choice for you. Ta-da! It's not him either? Really? All right. Go on, brother. Mr. Prophet. Son number three, my third most obvious choice to be king over all the people. What do you mean, though? You you told me we had something, that, that God was preparing something that's not working out the way you said it was going to work out. All right, Mr. Prophet, let me introduce you to my fourth. My fifth, my sixth, my seventh most obvious choice, it's not him. I don't have anything else. I've given you all I have. This is not working out the way you said it would. And I don't know, maybe it was a nudge from God, or maybe Samuel was kind of frustrated himself, but finally he says, is there anybody else? No, there's not any. Well, okay, my youngest is outside, but he's the sheep where he needs to be. Samuel says, go get him. We will not sit down until he gets there. We will not sit down until he gets here. Now, remember what God told Samuel to go and do with Jesse, to share in a sacrifice. Now, when Samuel says we will not sit down, uh, we're pretty confident. That doesn't mean that, you know, we're not going to sit down and rest our feet until he gets here, or anything like that. It's, we are not going to sit down and complete this part of the sacrifice that we need to. We're not going to sit down And finish having church until we know everybody is here. Y'all with me? I wonder if one day some church decided to say, you know what? We're not going to sit down until we are sure that we have done everything in our power. We have spent every amount of prayer that we could. We have done everything imaginable to make sure that every single one of us is here and that we have given that invitation to anybody with ears who can hear and receive the message and that there's no way, no way we have kept somebody from being here. I wonder if our perception of either that would change, or maybe the idea of how we go about giving that invitation would change. It's at least worth having a conversation about. But then in walks David. Youngest, probably all dirty, smelly, but not with the sheep all day. And up until this point, Samuel, Jesse, and everybody else had been missing the most important part of this story. They'd been missing what God saw. Samuel and Jesse and everyone else, they saw the least. Hmm? They saw the most unobvious choice. That's not what God saw. Now, and I, and I want you to remember this, put this in your mind, just write this down, whatever you've got to do to remember it. But realize this, even though Samuel grieved, he still listened. Even though the Lord was sorry, the Lord was still faithful. Even though Samuel and the others were fearful, they were still obedient. And even though... Samuel, Jesse, and those poor seven sons. Here we are dancing with the prophet, and everybody's voting us off. Even though they felt all disappointed, they were still open. It's when everybody in the story, it's when those of us who are reading the story recognize that until we see what God sees, Things don't happen the way they should. It's just like the story Jesus told about the man who went and scattered the seed in the ground. Now, that man doesn't know what's going on in the ground to make those seeds grow up. He probably doesn't care to know, but he sure is thankful for what he doesn't know. You know, and in our day and age where we know so much, sometimes we lose that. Sometimes we can lose the wonder of God. We can lose the wonder of what we don't know. The danger of that is that sometimes, and I hate to be so clicheous, but golly, this is just going to work so well. The danger of that is that sometimes, because we know so much, we put God in one of these little things right here. Some of us have a very formed image about who and what God is. Some of us are sure that God is the old man with the white beard and the cane just looking down at everybody smiling. Some of us are so sure that God is the loving God that just wants to wrap his arms around everybody. Some of us are so sure we've wrapped it up so nicely and we know that God is just up there waiting for us to mess up so he can just thump us on the back of the head. Some of us are so sure that okay, God's up there, but God really has no care about what happens down here—at least not to me. Now you know when someone gives you a gift, yeah, you get the gift. It's like ooh, but the the really fun part is opening that gift and seeing what's inside. Now. <laughs> That's your God. What is your God doing in here? If we can learn to unwrap the possibility of what we don't know about God, what we don't understand about God, then we can begin to do the same thing with ourselves and with those around us. See, there's a reason why Our neighbors are arguing with each other. There's a reason why, you know, we all say kids have attitudes these days. There's a reason why spouses aren't getting along. There's a reason for all these things. But some of us, we're just so intent on just looking and seeing things as we see them because we know exactly the way things are. But if we could learn to take it out of the box. We can see things for the way they really are. So I'm going to challenge you today that this week we could begin to unwrap that. And what a wonderful way to start. Because for some of us, we've been doing this for so long. Communion, is it communion? Is it time, that time of the month again? We're doing that again. This can just be one of those things that's just something we do. But how about we start today by opening ourselves up and seeing what God sees. And by doing so, learning something about who God is. Maybe even learning something about who we are. And certainly, about what all this means. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.